You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw. Lock it down in for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. Lined a short and caught. The Canadians draped the Northwest League flag across their shoulders for 2023. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour one of this program is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Mike Halford here. And Jason, can you feel that in the air? It's sports season, everybody. Yes, sports season. Sports are so back. I'm so excited. That was a crazy weekend. I felt like I needed six TVs going. It was it was awesome, right? And we're all cumulatively here working on like, what, 12 hours of sleep between mm-hmm. the four of us? But we're all excited to be here, except for Greg. He's tired. But the rest of us are all excited to be here today because not only was it a great weekend in sports, the local teams really showed up this weekend. So... We're going to get into all that in a moment. Before we do, I need to tell you what's on the show today. Uh, guest list begins at 6.30. David Amber, Sportsnet NHL Hockey Night in Canada host, is going to join us. Then at 7, a good friend of David Amber's and a co-worker's maybe is maybe going to join us. We're, we're, we're working on getting Elliot Friedman, Friedge, from the airport. The reason we're trying to get all these hockey guests is because of the Mike Babcock story, which for all the sports that happened this weekend, that Babcock story really took center stage on Sunday. So maybe Friedge at 7. 7.30 is going to be our Monday morning quarterback, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. And then at 8... Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. Um, we've also got another guest, um, and we're going to treat him like a guest. His mm-hmm. name is A-Dog. Andy. And A-Dog uh, was actually watching the Young Stars tournament this weekend, so we're going to get a Young Stars uh, tournament report from A-Dog. Yes. it's. I branded it out. It'll be for, thorough. I branded it out for sales. It's, it's A-Dog. several hours of the notes. A-Dog's amazing Young Stars recap. Yeah. I could recap the C's game because I was there. You can oh, do that okay. as well. Nice. nice. Another branding opportunity. Yeah. We just got to work on that one. At the Perfect. Uh, let's remember here, Monday Night Football, doubleheader tonight. Games running concurrently. 4-15 kickoff between the Saints and the Panthers. 5-15 between the Browns and the Steelers. Earlier in the afternoon, Young Stars, a.k.a. A-Dogs, beat uh, Vancouver, Edmonton. 1 p.m. The broadcast starts right here on Sportsnet 650. Yes, Live hockey on the radios. That's at 1 o'clock today. And we will be giving away another pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler begin his stand-up tour this fall. Sandler, as I call him. Uh, October the 12th, that's a Thursday. It kicks off his North American tour. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the best what we learned of the day 
Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Start getting them in now. Hashtag WWL with a ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the grand prize draw to see Sandler do stand-up on October the 12th. Uh, So working in reverse on the guest list, 8 o'clock, it's Kevin Woodley, 7.30, it's Mike Tannier, maybe Freege at 7, and then David Amber at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. So let's start with the Mike Babcock story. I, I know a lot of stuff happens, but we got to pick uh, somewhere to start. And I think the biggest story in hockey right now is Mike Babcock resigning. <laughs> Keyword. word. From the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, before he even coached a game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, You know, we all know how this story unfolded. First of all, it was reported on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and they were adamant, and by that I mean Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonette, was adamant that this was like a bad thing that Babcock was doing. And then the Blue Jackets responded and said, how dare you suggest this was a bad thing? This was a way for a coach to get to know his players and Mike Babcock had a statement where he called it offensive how it was uh, described by the Spit and Chicklets podcast and for good measure the Blue Jackets got their captain Boone Jenner to release a statement of his own and he said there was nothing untoward about it at all Uh, so some people thought that would be the end of the story and the Blue Jackets would go into the season and Mike Babcock would be the head coach Ah, but it wasn't and I think the death knell for Mike Babcock, in terms of his job, was that the NHLPA got involved and they felt a need to get involved. And they had a meeting with the NHL and a few parties involved. And they called that meeting intense. And according to multiple sources of Freges, uh, one of the most serious concerns was a meeting that occurred away from team facilities that included, quote-unquote, several minutes of looking through a phone, and that was beyond the scope of what was initially understood to have occurred. For more on this, let's go to the man himself. This was Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet Central with Faisal Kaima yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, Talking about the particular incident. When we're looking for details here, this is the particular incident which raised this to the level of we think Mike Babcock is going to have to go. Uh, Freege now with more. I don't know how many incidents there were that could be termed as egregious or bad or whichever way you want to describe them. But I do think there was one that was of real concern. And that was where a player and Babcock met at a non-Blue Jackets facility or non-Blue Jackets location. And uh, the the coach apparently looked at the phone for a few minutes. And I believe that that was an incident that when it got raised uh, to the League and the Players Association and the team, um, everybody took it pretty seriously. You mentioned it looked as though... The screw kind of turned on this whole thing when the NHLPA decided to get involved and started to investigate. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because NHLPA boss Marty Walsh, who we've had on this show before, had a very short statement that was released 
uh, to the media, quote, our players deserve to be treated with respect in the workplace. Unfortunately, that was not the case in Columbus. The club's decision to move forward with a new head coach is the appropriate course of action. So it certainly seems like this got on the radar of the Players Association. They investigated it quickly Mm -hmm. and then came to a decision rather quickly that uh, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for an entire union, but if Babcock was to remain the head coach, there was going to be issues moving forward. And what it really comes down to is in a very roundabout, maybe not linear way, but at the end, the result was there. The players had a voice here, and part of it was Spittin' Chicklets and Paul Bissonette and the Barstool podcast. Part of it was the NHLPA, but I think you saw a real, I'm not going to say moment in time or anything. I don't want to make it that grandiose, but Mm -hmm. there certainly was a very, very unique and almost precedent-setting moment here where the players stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh. We're not going to go through this again. Not with a guy who's got this history, who seems to be doing the same stuff that he'd done in previous stops in the NHL. And overall, just a mess for the Blue Jackets to clean up. Um, yeah, Pascal Vincent is that? A, he's the new head That's coach. The new head coach. Um, so he's going to get introduced today, and that'll be fun for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to wonder what this means for Yarmo Kekalainen and uh, John Davidson, uh, the general manager and the president of Hockey Ops, respectively. Um, if I'm the owner of the Blue Jackets, I'm happy that I'm rich, but I'm seriously pissed at how this played out. Totally. The Blue Jackets, think about totally. the big stories that they've been involved in the last couple of years. Um, signing Johnny Gaudreau, that was a good thing. Everyone was like, oh, Columbus, people are willing to p- uh, come here and play for the Blue Jackets. We're great. Not everyone thinks we're boring. And then the Jackets were terrible last year. Just awful. To the point where they had to go out and hire Mike Babcock. And people went, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. And it turned out it wasn't. Yep. Um, Imagine if you're Boone Jenner or Johnny Gaudreau. Nope. Both publicly came to the defense of Babcock. And I really do wonder how it played out for Boone Jenner to get his statement into the Blue Jackets press release when they initially said, we are outraged at the way this was described by the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Do you think he was like super pumped to have his statement? Or do you think he, I don't want to say that use the word coerced, but I'm sure the organization went to him and went like, hey, we need to calm this down. We got a statement from Babcock saying this is no big deal. We would love to have one from you. And also Johnny Gaudreau speaking publicly in support of Babcock. Um, So now what are those two going to say, not only publicly, but, you know, to their teammates who didn't feel the same way as they did, at least as they did in their statements expressed to the public. The biggest question right now is, did the Blue Jackets know the extent of Babcock's interaction with players when this was first revealed? The only thing that I think would save the reputations of Kekalainen and Davidson and maybe, unfortunately, Boone Jenner is if they all acted genuinely when they released those statements that they mm-hmm. thought that what Babcock was doing was totally above board and in a Blue Jackets facility and didn't raise the ire of veteran players. If they, if that's all that they knew, and it's going to be very hard to... Boone Jenner is the captain, right? Boone Jenner is the captain. So did he have any of the young players come to him and say, what's going on? Here? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Did Yarmo Kicklinen and John Davidson have any of the young players being like, 
Babs came up to me in the parking lot and, and, and took my phone? I don't know. I don't know. But the only thing that's if, – if I was an owner, I would say, one, why did you hire this guy in the first place? Two, did you guys do due diligence on practices like this that clearly existed in Babcock's past? And three, how much did you know when you released those statements – on Tuesday afternoon after the Spit and Chicklets podcast came out. Because when those statements were released, remember, we had Aaron Portsline on the show. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Portsline said, based on his reporting and talking to people in the Blue Jackets organization, they considered the matter dealt with. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah. They were, they were like, we're they're good. Like, we're good. Yeah. We got our captain to sign off on mm-hmm. it. Mike Babcock refuted the claims. We're good. They had the opportunity to do, you know, investigating, like what the NHLPA did. But they didn't. They wanted to close the book and close the door on this, and they thought that by getting the proper sign-off, and maybe not with, maybe the first thing they should have done is checked with the NHLPA, but they didn't. And now look where they're at. This is a disastrous situation. Uh, did you enjoy social media? It's the best. I love oh social media. Oh, my God. I love it. How good was this? Um, the situation was basically, like, there are a lot of people that seem to think this is, quote, you know, wokeness or wokeness run amok Mm -hmm. or like, heaven forbid this country has to go to war. Cancel culture, man. (laughs) Which is one of the texts we got last week in case you're wondering why I said that. Um, So they think it's wokeness run amok that Babcock was canceled by a bunch of soft liberals who can't handle Babcock's kind of like non-PC style. Soy boys, man. And yet the story was broken by Barstool. Wait a minute. Who aren't exactly known as woke. They're not soy boys at all. And like the opposite also, right? Like there are people out there that, you know, like hate Barstool or or, or can't stand spitting chiclets. Like it's toxic hockey culture. And yet... Those people, like, have to admit that, you know, like, Biz did a pretty good job of sticking up for the players. A very tough situation for the overly online over the weekend. What side do you choose? What tribe do you choose? The tribes are at war. And you have to choose one. You can't be neutral. God forbid you play it straight down the middle. Yeah, it was like, I don't agree with his Bart-killing policy, but I do approve of his Selma-killing policy. It's a head-scratcher. I don't know where to go. Uh, It's almost, I don't know if there's a lesson to be learned from this, it's almost like you should try and maintain some semblance of objectivity in situations like this and wait for the information to come out and not just assume that someone you don't like... Couldn't have made a pretty good point. I disagree. I think the idea is to get your opinions out there early, beat the rush, right, and then delete them later, and then and then and then do the mental gymnastics to make sure to, to make right. sure that everyone knows that uh, you, in fact, were right all along. See, it is funny because I, I've actually given the advice to like people before, especially youngsters trying to make their way in the industry. I'm like, don't ask permission because it's easier to apologize later. And unfortunately, that's often the case with a lot of, especially social media, is everyone feels the need not to have an opinion early, but to have an opinion early and make sure as many people as possible can see it so they know where you stand on the issue. (laughs) But if that opinion eventually proves to be wrong, don't worry. You can offer me a culpa a few days later. Anyway, that's the, I think that's the Babcock story, really. We should move on to some other things. Why don't we go a little bit a little more local?
Mm-hmm. But we're local for the listeners that want to well, know about a, it was a all great, our sports teams. It was a great weekend for local sports. And listen, we don't get to celebrate a lot of championships in this city, so we got to start with the C's. The C's are league champs. So congrats to the C's for besting Everett, the Aqua Sox. God, God. I hate those guys. Yep. In four games of a best of five, it's the fifth title in franchise history. Um, they won three straight Northwest League crowns from 2011 to 2013, one again in 2017, and now one again in 2023. Now, the only bad news is that the end of the season means there's no more games at Nat Bailey for a few months, which means the summer is drawing to a close. Did you know that summer is officially over on Friday? I didn't know that until I read it in the notes, and then I tried to ignore it because mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's- but that does mean that it is, like, crazy sports season like uh yeah you know september we're already into like that was an awesome sports weekend there was so much on october it's going to get even uh it's going to get even busier with the nhl back laddie you were at the nat for the championship the poor people that had tickets for sunday's game there like it's gonna be a beautiful day yeah and then the seas went and ruined it by winning a title, uh, what was it like in the Nat? Oh, it was just a great environment, and that was the only game I could get tickets to. So we were, uh, you know, selfishly very excited when they lost that one game because it <laughs> lined up perfectly for us to be able to go to the winning game. Uh, was it packed? It was packed. Yeah, it was just fully loaded. Uh, fans were standing ovation for the final out, and then yeah, just pure elation when the team won. It okay. Was, the first win since 2017, so it was nice. I think I want to start a tradition here. If a local team of any type wins a league championship and there's audio of the play-by-play victory we're gonna play it on the Halford and Bruff show didn't we play yours from earlier in the year right we did yeah that's right so this is a new thing amateur broadcasters out there if you want to hit the big time I use that term loosely but if you want to be on the radio uh we will play if your club wins a championship here's our guy Tyler Zickel on the final call as the Vancouver Canadians won the Northwest League title on Saturday night 3-2, 3-2, lined a short and caught. The Canadians drape the Northwest League flag across their shoulders for 2023. We had a lot of good audio from this weekend. Now, unfortunately, because of rights holders issues, we are not going to be able to play Bob the Moj Marjanovic's amazing call of the BC Lions' amazing victory. With 22 seconds left in Saturday's game, Lucky Whitehead hauled in. A Vernon Adams Jr. pass in the end zone. That touchdown capped an incredible, only in the CFL, 41-37 comeback as the Lions beat the Red Blacks at BC Place. Yeah, it was nearly another Hamilton performance for the BC Lions. I mean, it was a Hamilton performance. Yeah. Not the play. Uh, This time, though, the Lions woke up in the second half. Well, not so much the third quarter of the second half, but definitely the fourth quarter. Although not so much the beginning of the fourth quarter, Mostly the last five or so minutes of the game, the Red Blacks were winning by a score of 37 to 18 after three quarters. In the fourth quarter, uh, the Lions got an early field goal, but it still looked like it was going to be a bad loss. Uh, And there would be their second bad loss at BC Place in the last month because they had that dreadful loss to Hamilton, which the Halford and Bruff show was in attendance for, and it looked like they were going to lose to Ottawa, which may be the worst team in the CFL. Like the, mm, I don't know if you've good. noticed that the Elks are pretty decent right now. Trey Ford, a quarterback, has given those guys some life. Um, Ottawa might be the worst team in the league, which is probably why um, they were outscored 
23 to nothing in the fourth quarter with 20 of those points coming in the final three minutes. And their head coach made a decision to, um, instead of punting on one play, trying for a field goal. It was, I believe, a 50-yard field goal. Uh, The field goal missed, and uh, Terry Williams took it back the entire way. 120 yards. I love the CFO. It was a 120-yard Missed field goal returned by Terry Williams. Uh, credit to Vernon Adams, the quarterback, who did enough good things to make up for a bunch of mistakes. And he actually had a quote after the game. He was like, um, the team didn't give up on me after throwing three interceptions. And he called them silly interceptions mm-hmm. as well. Um, he finished the night with 327 yards passing and three touchdowns. Uh, cracking the 300-yard mark for the fifth straight game. So there was a lot of good, enough good to outweigh the bad from Vernon Adams. And good for the Lions for winning this game because the Bombers lost again. Mm-hmm. So is- all of a sudden, this big game that we've we've kind of had penciled um, at BC Place between the Lions and the Bombers, fingers crossed, but this could mean something. Now, the Lions have a few games before then. They don't want to trip up on those games, but... Things are looking good for the BC Lions after this weekend. Did you mention that that was the largest fourth quarter comeback in franchise history? I did not. They've been around for a long time, those BC Lions and this Canadian Football League, and that on Saturday was history. Now, talk about excellent football action from the weekend. North of the border, south of the border. What a win for the Seattle Seahawks in Detroit on Sunday. Geno Smith threw a six-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett, capping an amazing drive in overtime to lift the Seahawks to a 37-31 win at Ford Field. Here's what it sounded like. Geno Lockett, walk-off. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw, Lockett down in for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. And then Tyler went bye-bye. He waved to everybody in Ford Field. Bye-bye as he walked him off. What a win. I give this team a boatload of credit for doing what they did here because this was not an easy game. By any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so, where did you watch this game? At home. Okay, so you're you were you were in Burnaby. I was in Vancouver. Did you geographically did locate you, me? No, I was just wondering. Did you actually hear me yelling at the TV? When actually, the, you know what? I did. Did you hear it when, across when, the border? Yeah, when the Seahawks blew a ten point lead <laughs> and had to go to overtime. Um, overall, this was a really fun game. Yep. There was excitement. There was anger. There was excitement. There was anger. So many swings in momentum. Uh, now, fortunately, Drew Locke. Went out there, and he won that toss before overtime. I forgot he was on uh, the team. You know what? That was the biggest play. That that was the biggest play of the day, I think. Uh, Drew Locke going out there and winning the coin toss before overtime. And then I guess Geno Smith did a bunch of good stuff because he drove the Hawks down the field for a Tyler Lockett touchdown as we played the audio on the win. I do want to credit DK Metcalf because we kind of ripped DK Metcalf, and so did Pete Carroll. After week one, where he showed a real uh, DK Metcalf, now Pete showed a real lack of composure at the end of the game, and the Seahawks, as a as a team, showed a lack in composure. But DK was really good in Detroit. Six Solid. catches for seventy five yards, including a big catch on third down to keep the OT drive alive. Um, also, credit the Seahawks defense for making life reasonably difficult for Jared Goff. Yeah. Well, compared to the life they made for Matt Stafford, which was an incredible life for Matt Stafford. Um, I don't think you'd say Jared Goff was out there running for his life, but they did sack him twice. And most importantly, Trey Brown got himself a pick six and the Seahawks won the turnover battle. 
Oh, yeah. Like, so often with the Seahawks, well, not just the Seahawks, just in general, football, like, the turnover battle is usually who wins the actual game. Jared Goff made made a, he has made many mistakes in the last little while. He had a pretty good streak of uh, pass uh, attempts without a, without an interception, but he made a mistake against the Seahawks, and that was one of the big differences in the day. So Detroit kind of prides itself on not beating itself. They don't turn the ball over really at all. Uh, Goff had gone 383 straight passes without throwing a pick. So it's funny because I think the Jared Goff that we kind of know and remember from the Rams, the the issue was that sometimes he was sloppy with the football and he'd make Mm -hmm. bad mistakes at bad times. They didn't do that anymore. So for the Hawks to do what they did, not just turn the ball over but get a pick six, that's a huge thing because the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff don't really give you that many opportunities to do it. And I'll say this, if you want to poke a few holes in this, other than that, Goff kind of picked him apart. He was. That's tw- what I'm saying. He like, was 28 and 35 yeah, yeah. passing for 323 But the Seahawks defense at the end of the game, when they needed to. Yeah, they made plays. They did, they did make some plays. Uh, there's still lots of improvement to be made by the Seahawks. Okay, we'll get to the Whitecaps. We'll get to the Blue Jays. Um, but first, we're going to speak to David Amber about the Mike Babcock situation. We're still waiting on uh, Frege. We may have him. At the 7 o'clock hour, we may not, though, because he's traveling. Uh, so much more to discuss. Any comments you have, text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. David Amber on the other side of the Halford & Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. David Amber, Hockey Night Canada Sportsnet NHL host, is going to join us in just a moment here. Right in the middle of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. To the phone lines we go. Happy to have him back for another season here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It is David Amber. He joins us now on a Monday. Good morning, David. How are you? Hey, guys. That was a, that was a quick 11 weeks. We're back at it, aren't we? Yeah, and uh, it started in, well, it was a fashion. <laughs> I'll say that. So we were going over the chronology of this whole Mike Babcock story, and it really began... Earlier in the week when the majority of the media, I know you weren't down there in Vegas, but the majority of the media were all in Vegas for the annual NHL Players Media Tour, and everyone thought that they knew what direction this was going to go in. It's, let's go talk to Connor Bedard, and there's Sidney Crosby. Mm -hmm. and And then all of a sudden, this story gets dropped on the collective media from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and Paul Bissonnette. So in talking to your coworkers and cohorts in media, when this story first landed on the scene, did you guys have any inkling or indication or past anecdotes or history about that this was something that Babcock had done in the past or this was behavior that was well-known? Or did this catch all of you completely off guard? 
Uh, well, I can't speak for everyone, uh, but the people I talked with, we were all pretty surprised. I mean, Mike Babcock had been out of the game, essentially, at least at the National League level, um, for over three years. You know, by all accounts, he recognized, or at least to the public, he was saying he recognized the mistakes he had made earlier and that he was, you know, he was ready to, to you know, be a better leader and a, better with the younger players and a, and a more affable person to, to, you know, coach and lead a team. And, you know, then we have this misstep and you don't know the, you don't know the exact nature of it, right? You hear the report and you're kind of like, what, you know, what does that mean? He was looking at people's phones and then Boone Jenner comes out and says, oh, no, no, I just wanted to get to know our family. And it all sounded very vanilla and very like, okay, well, it was no big deal. And then, you know, to the credit of the NHLPA, um, you know, one of the big criticisms of Donald Fear was that he was a little too cozy um, with the ownership group and with the commissioner and with the GMs. And meaning he was interested in doing his job, but he wasn't necessarily going to push things as far as he maybe should to really help his his clients who are the, the players. Uh, Marty Walsh, Ron Hainsey said, we're going to do a full thorough investigation. We're going to flush this out. Players need to be treated a certain way. And to their credit, they, you know, found out doing the due diligence that this was bigger than that. What a lot of us thought off the beginning, you know, that it was maybe just a, a vanilla thing getting blown out of proportion. I mean, when, when you heard Paul Bissonette on the spit and chicklets podcast, say what he said, my initial reaction is, well, he's not making this up out of thin air. Clearly, someone was bothered by the tactics Mike Babcock was using. Um, so I did feel like there was some smoke there, but I thought maybe it'd be smoke that would get diffused. I didn't think it was going to you know, become incendiary as it did. So I'm a bit surprised, guys. Uh, you know, what a, what a way, you know, to not have coached a single practice, you know, and to find yourself losing your job. I mean, that's, this is an unprecedented situation, and it, it's quite remarkable to say the least. Uh, imagine you're the Blue Jackets owner. What are you feeling right mm-hmm. now? Well, I, you know what? I, I'm sure you're bringing John Davidson into your office. I'm sure you're bringing uh, Yarno Kikalainen into your office, and you're you're wanting a full debriefing. You know, how did this happen? And even when Mike Bob, Babcock got hired, there were some detractors who said, of all the group of, of young and up-and-coming coaches that you could possibly look towards, or even some of the bigger-name guys who are out of work, you know, whomever that, you know, like you look around and there are other, you know, tried, tested and and proven candidates out there without the track record of Mike Babcock with the problems he had. And maybe those would have been better options. So there were some people scratching their heads and said, really, this is the hire you're going to make? So I'm sure the ownership group, John McConnell, is going to be wanting to know, like, walk me through this. How did this happen? Because it is such a bad look on the organization from top to bottom. This isn't just about Mike Babcock, but why was he put in that position to even, you know, be given that opportunity to have this blow up? You know, did you do the proper due diligence? You know, was this something that was completely unforeseeable? But I'm sure they're upset. I mean, it's yesterday Adam Fantilli scored a hat trick in a prospect game. That is what the headline should be in Columbus as far as Blue Jackets fans are concerned, right? That's what they should be talking about, this exciting young player and a healthy team and they made all these big trades. They're going to be a good team this year. And that's all, you know, that's all in the background to, uh, to what's going on with Mike Babcock. We're speaking to David Amber here, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, David, one thing that I've come to realize here is that this is a multi-layered and multifaceted story now with a lot of very mm-hmm. interesting angles. One of them, I think, 
is the NHLPA, and you alluded to this earlier, and Jason and I alluded to this even earlier, that this whole situation really turned when the NHLPA started investigating. And when you look at it a little bit deeper, you start to realize that this was Marty Walsh's real first issue, real first controversy, real first thing that he had to deal with as NHLPA boss. And then you alluded to maybe how different things are under Walsh than they would have been with Donald Fear. I went back and looked at a quote that uh, Walsh gave Stephen Wino of the Associated Press when he took the job. Mm-hmm. He said, this job is more being like the mayor. You wake up in the morning, you're planning on a smooth day, and then there's an issue that pops, and that's the issue of the moment. I'm like, my God, this guy gets it. <laughs> he nailed that. Yeah, so I wonder if part of this, and I don't want to go too far down the, the wormhole here, but part of this was Walsh and I guess Ron Hainsey as well signaling that the union's going to be a little bit different than it was in years past. Yeah, I, listen, Mike, I, I think you're onto something. I, I think... When Marty Walsh came in and you look at his background really as a politician, a high-level politician, um, you know, successful politicians know how to, you know, work the room, essentially. They know how to advocate for what they're trying to advocate for and do it in a manner that is appropriate and seems to, to win over the masses so they can get things done. You know, they have to have a very high EQ. They have to really be able to read the room. Donald Fear had some strengths, certainly. Um, but in talking to players, there was a lot of players who didn't feel he fought hard enough for whatever, you know, whether it was, you know, the escrow that's being, you know, withheld from the players' mm-hmm. salaries or whether it was, you know, not getting the international hockey. I mean, the last international hockey we saw was in 2016 as far as best on best goes. Think about that. We're talking about a seven-year period ongoing now where we've not had the ability to see, you know, you name the players – we haven't been able to see, you know, Quinn Hughes and Austin Matthews and everyone else versus, you know, the best Canadians. So um, there's been some failures there. And I think Marty Walsh, Ron Hainsey, they're going to advocate a little harder and they're going to fight a little harder and maybe do it in a more diplomatic way that keeps their clients happy, but also, you know, is, is finds the, the middle ground, that common ground with the, with the NHL to get things done. So, I think the early returns on Marty Walsh, probably from a player's perspective, are very good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he came out with a stern comment about Babcock, about our players are not going to be mistreated, you know what? Like, that's sort of putting out a bit of a, that's you know, dropping a bit of a bomb saying, you know what, this can't go on. We're mm-hmm. not going to have these little situations brushed under the rug anymore. And if players are getting mistreated, and I think part of what happened with Mike Babcock, guys, is this might have not everything to do about going through players' phones, but it's just, it's almost like, um, not retribution's the wrong word, but it's almost like we're looking back at his whole history of some of the missteps that he's taken in in mistreating some of the players that have been out there, the allegations. And if there's truth to them, and and some of them, like we know, the Mike Medano 1500th game, et cetera, um, we aren't going to have our players treated in that fashion. So this almost might have been a retroactive sort of, he did something wrong, which on its own isn't good, but it's it's the whole part and parcel of, of what his, you know, tenure as an NHL head coach has been. And we're, we're going to make sure that he's, you know, paying the price for that. So is the uh, Spit and Chicklets podcast now going to be a clearinghouse for all player complaints about their coaches? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, it's funny. We can, we, we can laugh. It's true. We can kind of find that funny. But I'll tell you right now, if I'm a, a grieved player and I have to go somewhere and make sure my voice is heard, I'm not sure I'm going to go to my head coach or to my assistant coach or to my GM or to my owner. I might go to 
a, a guy who has a very, you know, the guys who have a very big platform. Yeah. And they'll certainly be taken more seriously now. It's not just going to be haha and brushed under the rug. So, you know, if a player feels he can't, you know, doesn't have that outlet within his within his team, uh, because for for whatever reasons, I'm sure some of these young players, it, it's not by coincidence that. You know, a young player had mentioned in passing to Paul Bissonnette or Ryan Whitney or one of the guys, and, and it got out there. He didn't necessarily go to the GM and say, hey, you know, is this normal? The, you know, my future head coach just took my phone and was going rifling through my pictures. And there you go. I, I think, you know what, that's not a bad point to be made, mm-hmm. that there's now maybe going to be a bit of a, uh, a, a group, you know, w- with a voice for you to advocate for the players. And Paul Bissonnette said, this is a podcast for the players. So... Uh, be noted, you know, if you're, if you're misstepping at all, you know, you're, you're duly noted right now that uh, you're going to be probably put on blast and, and things might not work out for you. David, this was great. As always, great to have you back. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We'll do this again next Monday when we'll actually talk about, you know, hockey, or I should I hope we will actually be talking about, you know, hockey next week. Oh, I hope so too. I wanted to talk about Connor Bedard and the fantastic hat trick he had. And, oh, man. You know, there's, so many great storylines. We'll have to dig into that next Monday. Sounds good. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. See you later. That's David Amber, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, yes. a, few, a few things here. Um, we're going to talk some Connor Bedard with Kevin Woodley. Okay. Because I can't think of a better topic to discuss with Kevin Woodley than Connor Bedard's shot. Can I just say how and, ludicrous it is? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, like, he touches the yeah. puck for, like, half a second, and it's in the net. But mm-hmm. what I want to know is... Um, how much will he have to continue to adjust that shot in the NHL? Because we haven't, you know, I guess I guess if you think of a guy that um, you've watched play in the NHL that was all about his shot, right? There are probably two to co- come to mind. Like his shot is his defining feature. Yep. One for me would be Brett Hall. The other probably Ovi. Like people... Okay, but people marvel at... Um, you know, the fact that Ovi's still able to score from his office on the power play. They're yep. like, haven't why, hasn't the league figured this out yet, right? But he just keeps on doing it. Um, Brett Hall, his shot was incredible. Mm-hmm. And he was just able to get it away so quickly, but with so much power behind it too. Yep. Um, that the NHL never really caught on. We've With Bedard having this like generational label to him. Yep. Um, I'm just wondering if we're going to be able to see like a generational player where his strongest attribute is his shot, or will defensemen pick up on it? Will goalies pick up on it? Right? These are the questions that all that everyone gets asked. Like Gretzky, when he came into the NHL, he's like, oh, he's too skinny. He's, he's too small. He's not strong enough. You know, and the NHL is going to grind him into dust. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. Right? Because I've seen a lot of, um, how should I put this? Casual hockey media outlets, like ones that don't really cover the sport that well, that are like, who's this Connor Bedard? You know, usually we don't know about the first overall pick in the NHL coming in. And everyone asks the same thing. What is it about the kid that makes him so amazing? Mm-hmm. And answer all across the board is always, well, he had an NHL quality shot when he was like 17. So if you assume... And more than an NHL quality yeah, shot. Yeah, so if you, assu- if you assume that with time and experience and strength. I mean, he's still going to get bigger and stronger. He's 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's going to grow. Then that's, you're talking about a guy, like it will be a guy that will be defined by his shot first and foremost. But so- we'll, we'll talk to Kevin Woodley about the challenges in stopping Connor Bedard, just with the, the way that he changes the shooting angle. 
Um, he, he just doesn't make it easy for anyone out there. Um, I do want to mention a few other sp- uh, local stories. Uh, actually, just one more. The Whitecaps, Halford, are suddenly road warriors. Ba-boom. Uh, they were winless in their first seven road games this season, and when they went on on this seven-game road swing, it wasn't necessarily seven games all in a row on the road because uh, they had the international break. Um, but I was kind of like, well, they've been good at home. I don't know if they're going to be good on the road though um they've picked up 10 of a possible 12 points they haven't been good on the road jason they've been great um and some big games remaining i think they got eight games left something like that mm-hmm. in games in against houston uh salt lake st louis seattle and lafc all these teams up there in the western conference standings mm-hmm. is it out of the realm of possibility that the Whitecaps finish first or first even would be second, tough. second in the conference, second is up for grabs, Sec- isn't it? Second and third are completely up for grabs. So how, what it looks like right now after this weekend's MLS action, the Whitecaps move into sole possession of fourth place in the Western Conference, which is great because top four get a home match which is a very convoluted playoff system. They change it every year in MLS, it feels like. But basically, you finish top four, you get some home matches in that first round, which is the best of three. Okay? Got that? If they want to jump into third, all they got to do is get one point on current third-place holders, Mm -hmm. Seattle. And that's going to be easy because the Caps have two games in hand on the Sounders. If the Caps want to jump into second, second in the conference, that's not that difficult to task either because right now... LAFC is in second place. They're only two points clear of the Caps. And as mentioned, Caps also have a game in hand on LAFC. So I would say, given this form, and this is completely out of the blue, what they're doing on the road. Mm -hmm. Because you got to remember, prior to this road swing, the Whitecaps had won zero (laughs) road games. They were 0-4-3 in their first away seven away matches. Like Mm -hmm. They were terrible. They couldn't do anything when they were not at BC Place. And now all of a sudden... Uh, they look dynamic. And the reason they look dynamic is because of two guys, Ryan Gold and Brian White. I don't know what the history of U.S.-Scottish relations were. I don't know why these two guys, of, of all the players in the world, found this chemistry. But they, they, they look for one another all the time. Can we play the audio of the game-winning goal against uh, Toronto FC on the weekend? This was just classic. Gold carries the ball up the pitch, and the entire time... He's looking for Brian White. Mm-hmm. Everybody, including all the Whitecaps, all the TFC players, all the coaches, me, and I'm like, he's looking for Brian White. It was very obvious. And then for some reason, Toronto FC was like, let's not mark him. Yeah, let's see how it plays out. And here's let's how- see if we can find him. <laughs> and here's how it played out. This is the call from Apple TV. Gold to white. So here's what's happening, though, which in a bad way, because we asked Axel Schuster about this last week when we had him on the show. People are starting to pay attention now. Uh, MLS, the website did a big story on um, Ryan Gold. Right. And where Vanny called him the working class star, the working class designated player, Mm -hmm. which coming from Vanny means a lot. Socialist. Right. So, That's yeah, true. That, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a real source of pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There. So there was that story that kind of blew up because every, like, unlike these capitalist pig stars, <laughs> yeah, these lazy, fat, designated players elsewhere. <laughs> so what happened was 
MLS picked up on it nationally, and then Apple TV picked up on it because they were like, well, this guy's really making waves and making noise. And so I watched that broadcast, and the entire second half, and I apologize for not knowing who the play-by-play duo was, all they talked about in the second half was Ryan Gold. Mm-hmm. They're like, this guy is amazing. Like right. He is everywhere. And then they kept using that working-class narrative because if you watch Ryan Gold play, he just runs and harasses and harangues guys constantly. So, constantly. So the local story from this weekend... The Vancouver Canadians, Northwest League champs. The BC Lions, amazing comeback at BC Place to beat Ottawa. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks, huge win in Detroit. And the Vancouver Whitecaps continued their road warrior ways as they climbed the Western Conference standings with a 2-1 win over TFC. Local sports, how good are they? Pretty good weekend. Um, The Blue Jays, laddie. They're good again. Another local team. <laughs> Another local team. Uh, so the Jays, after being swept by the Texas Rangers, sweep the Red Sox. So the Red Sox did not get the Heim Bloom firing bump. No. The, the I blue, guess that doesn't happen. So The anti-Bloom bump. Yeah. GM less so than when the coach gets fired. I mean. uh, right. to the room. <laughs> While the Mariners and the Texas Rangers both got swept themselves by the Dodgers and Guardians, respectively. And I was laughing at this quote from Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays, who said, at this point, I've just stopped looking at the standings because it's been changing so fast. Like every three days, all three of the teams have flip-flopped. Yeah, it's going to be uh, quite a race <laughs> to the end of the season. I know you're laughing, Laddie, because like you're like, does any of these teams actually like want to make the playoffs? Because they're not really acting like it. Last and- week in discussing the Jays, I actually used the term rock bottom when they got swept by the Well, Rangers. maybe it was. Maybe it was. Either way. But, okay, so this- the Jays, look, the Jays should make it, especially given the Mariners and the Rangers have seven games remaining against each other. Yep. Right. They sh- they should make it. Yep. That's I, every day for a week. One of the teams you need to lose is guaranteed to lose. So exactly. I'm not exactly. A, I'm not a big analytics guy. Numbers are for nerds, but I am a big vibes guy. Vibes are for cool dudes. And I gotta say that if there was if there was a way to rebound after getting swept by the Rangers, it's not just finally winning some AL East games. It's not just sweeping a divisional rival. It's the way that they did it because they had back-to-back walk-offs. Because you mentioned Chapman. Can we play the audio of Dan Shulman's call? Great audio. This is the Chappy walk-off. Second game in a row to beat the Red Sox on the weekend. Big vibes here from Dan Shulman and company. And now a well-hit ball to center. And it's off the wall. Biggio on his way to third. Blue Jays were given a lot of favors in that series. and Who was the dude playing center yeah, field? There for were a couple of plays. The center fielder in the previous game. Yeah. The game was over in the ninth <laughs> inning. Like they God. won that game in extra That was inning. kind of a little league move, eh? It was bizarre. Running in for the ball. He's like, oh, it's over my head. That's like a slope. That's the me one, and slow pitch, right? <laughs> like, the one yesterday, like it was a t- like Chappie belted it. And who I can't remember the guy who was playing center field yesterday, but he ran into the wall real hard. Like, he, he looked like he knocked himself out. I don't know if he was just upset because he knew the game was over, but he was, like, crumpled on the ground. Yeah. 
when Bichu Only Ulevi on, on the ground? It was, except he was covering his face. <laughs> Ulevi was just like in the prone position when he was doing it. But anyway, um, so many things happened in that series. So the, the game prior, uh, John Schneider makes a ballsy call to pull Chapman out and put in Bichu as a pinch hitter, and that works tremendously well, right? That was, And that was very, very dicey because Chappie was clearly pissed in the dugout, right? Next game, who's the hero? Chappie. It's like mm-hmm. everything worked out. The vibes are high and the, right the, now. The, we for talk now, about, but they have to start a new series. Right, we talk about down. the winning yeah. hit in the previous walk-off, walk-off win, the first one? Yeah. It went like four feet. <laughs> but it, oh, Merrifield's. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, it, it, the, the way this team is winning, it's not inspiring a lot of confidence. Well, They're right. finding a way. And Merrifield but... gacked it in his previous chance, right? Where well, he yeah. He said in the post game, they, yeah. they asked him, oh, what, what was your approach in that final at bat? He said, with the pitch that I swung at in the at bat before, yeah, I'm definitely the guy you yeah. want to talk yeah. to. Yeah. It was a approach. bad one. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely, yeah. But that's, that mean, hey, you know what? That's baseball. Okay. So. Freege is confirmed for 15 minutes from now. We'll talk to Freege about the Mike Babcock situation. Try and get some more details on what exactly Babcock was doing. Um, as we start the next segment, A-Dog is going to deliver his Young Stars Tournament Connects report because A-Dog actually watched these games. The rest of us were watching like NFL, CFL, MLS, Rugby World Cup, you know, the big boy sports. A-Dog was watching the prospects from Penticton because he is a loyal employee and he knew that someone had to do it. Yep. I did so, the dirty work. So we'll, t- we'll talk to A-Dog about the Akito Hirose story, which is basically going to be the entire A-Dog report, I think. Fridge is going to join us uh, in about 15 minutes. Mike Tannier at 730 talks some NFL. Uh, it, there is a lot going on right now. It's awesome. Sports.